to episode 15 of Cinebabble, a very Oscar episode of Cinebabble. How are you doing this week, Clint? Oh, I'm great, Ken. Good. Was that enough enthusiasm That was. For you? I liked the enthusiasm this week. It was much more like I'm bursting in the dorm. Kramer on Seinfeld <laughs> slid across the kitchen a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I was trying to think of maybe a catchphrase while I was driving over here that maybe would give you some encouragement for my enthusiasm, but... I mean, that's really what it's about is my encouragement, so... yeah. You know, let's try out some different things each week, and we'll see how much momentum it gives me. Uh, you know, <laughs> okay, co-hosts and all that. I'm Ken. You're Clint. We're equals, but in this regard, I need Clint. Mm. I need. I need. I need. You need. I need. Oh, okay. And uh, that's that's one of your co-host duties, because uh, we have separate co-host duties, and one of yours is like to provide the encouragement that I need. Hmm. I'll try to do that. Okay. I can't promise it. Okay. Nor provide will I. encouragement, and maybe next week I'll provide sushi. And oh. <laughs> it feels like a good emotional trade. Huh. Well, I'm assuming you've been as busy as I have been this week. Uh, so we haven't watched a ton other than what we're going to cover later on. Mm. But I did I did want to know, did you see the new Wes Anderson trailer dropped I did. Today? Did yeah. you? Yeah. The French Dispatch? French Dispatch of, it goes on a little bit. Right. It's got quite the title, but everybody's yeah. just going to call it the French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of that? Well, I was really excited when I saw it. I was like, if Ken doesn't bring this up, I'm going to bring this up. <laughs> and I was going to come up with a whole segment where I, I have my own minute of trailer talk, and I'm going to call it the trailer trailer. The trailer invite trailer. invite you into my trailer trailer. Can I come into your trailer yes, trailer? Yes, it's an invitation. Let's do that. So. Let's go into the trailer trailer. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the trailer Wash your head, okay? It's kind of low. Okay. Oh, this is this is cozy. Yeah. Ah, this is it's inviting. I, I like what yeah. you've done in I here. I don't have any furniture. It's just lawn chairs no. set up. But yeah. what you're doing over here with the Christmas lights and the lamps, it's it gives it a nice yeah. ambiance. It's it's uh it's classy. Yeah. It's classy. I'm trying. Ooh, that's a nice chair too. I like that. I like that. This is this is I I can get into this. Mm. Okay. So so how do we do trailer trailer chat when we're in here? Well, basically, I ask you if you've seen a trailer, mm -hmm. and you respond yes or no, and then we go from there. I understand. That makes total <laughs> sense why you would buy this $60,000 add-on to mm -hmm. our studio, uh, just so we could have a different place to sit yeah. and talk about trailers. All right. All right. So, so let's try this out. This is feeling comfortable. <laughs> uh, you go ahead. You ask me. We'll just pretend we never had this conversation. Like, oh, hey, Clint. Okay. I'm going to pull out up front. You're going to hear my like classic... Um, car horn they're like perfect i don't know perfect. i'll add that in later in post perfect. um so yeah i can't okay here we're here we are come on in can let's talk about trailers i like this trailer <laughs> yeah uh, so this wes anderson trailer i watched it <laughs> and like every wes anderson trailer wow there's a bunch of actors in there mm -hmm. they got all of them <laughs> all, all the actors all of hollywood yeah. if they I were free they, they were there up. yeah yeah, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Uh, and just just a little bit of everybody. Now the the plot the plot's really interesting. So this is the staff of a European publication decides they're going to publish a memorial edition and they're going to highlight three of the best stories from the last decade. Mm -hmm. And so the movie is comprised of you know kind of the characters in this uh, this European publication or, or print house and then the three different stories. And it's an artist sentenced to life imprisonment. Uh, there's one about student riots and one about uh, a kidnapping resolved by a chef. <laughs> and yeah. just from watching the trailer, it it looks like almost um, a Wes Anderson 
uh, madcap delight of, oh, yeah, yeah. of just different weirdness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it, I like what I'm seeing. And it's his like stop motion. It almost feels like a stop motion film with people. Like mm-hmm. he did that in Grand Budapest, Budapest for sure. But it's just like each one gets heightened more and more where it's just his own world. And I'm so excited about yeah. that. And and I loved you really couldn't get a sense of the story. You just yeah. got a sense of that. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a very uh, kinetic, again, like Grand Budapest. But it's a very kinetic feel to it yeah. where there's just a lot happening. I'm wondering how tied together it is, like the through line, or if it's mainly about like these three separate stories. I can't tell because they were there were so many rapid cuts, but it felt like there were different things that that were overlapping mm. in those three stories. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to have a through thread. He's going to have something that ties everything together. Right, right. Um, even if the individual stories don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, who knows? Maybe he'll be commenting on kind of the the death of journalism or the death of print media or. Or it'll just be a nice little story, series <laughs> of stories, because it's Wes Anderson. And yeah. Just opportunity to bring all his favorite actors back and yeah. tell these separate stories and not be bound by the needing to be one story. Maybe that's his whole idea. I don't know. But I, I love his film, so I'm excited. Well, I'll tell you what I love, and that is this trailer trailer. It's been <laughs> delightful in here. And uh, I kind of, I kind of wish we had more trailers so we didn't have to go out. But uh, you're gonna we'll just... go already? Well, I mean, you know, I, I got to get to work. I'm sorry. I pulled up here. I just bought this thing, and you're gonna leave? I, you know, it, it's a busy guy. Mm. Busy guy. So that was trailer trailer. I like trailer trailer. <laughs> we should definitely do trailer trailer more often. <laughs> Or it might be a one-time thing, and I sell Maybe. this bad boy. Maybe. I, uh, like I talked about last week, I went, uh, and I was pretty sure I was going to go, I went and saw a little movie called Birds of Prey, mm. The Emancipation, no, excuse me, The Fantabulous Emancipation, one Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. You did not see this, I'm assuming. No. Okay. Uh, I don't have much to say about it. It was fun in a, um, I really want to be Deadpool kind of way. Right. It wasn't a bad. It was probably the best a DCEU movie hmm. that they've put out. Yeah. I will give it that. Uh, but it, it for me, it got a little draggy in the middle, a little mm. repetitive, uh, and the end got a little too Looney Tunes. But uh, it was it was enjoyable. It was much better uh, than I was worried it was going to be. I don't know if I would send you shuffling to the theater. Now, we have a good friend, and he has declared it the best Batman movie he's ever seen. <laughs> and... Uh, it's there, there's no Batman, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna I'm gonna call him up or text him sometime and have a little bit of an argument about this. <laughs> but he really enjoyed it, so you know if that's your thing, well, that's good. Go for it. I definitely think you should check it out. But um, I'll much see it when say. it comes out. I'm not a, like everyone loved Wonder Woman. I did not like Wonder Woman. This one, so the DC movies seem to have this same problem. This one did for me too, where the third act felt very tacked on and well now we've got to do something right and right. we've got to do something big and comic booky and they did it well but it, it just and a lot of the marvel movies have that problem too i guess mm-hmm. i can't see it i'm marvel blind <laughs> but um same same problem they get to the third act and, and have a little bit of a trouble figuring out we've established this style but now we've got to do kind of the ordinary story wrap up yeah uh, this one definitely has that uh, but if you're already into the movie, it's it's a lot of fun. Hmm. It's uh, it's visually very good. Uh, the one thing I did want to talk about 
is that it, it, it does one of my pet peeves. And okay. I really tried to ignore it the whole time. But it it is one of a new breed of movies that want to be very much like John Wick in its oh, action okay. sequences. Uh-huh. And it does it very well. But what I've noticed of, of these films that are trying to mimic that, that heightened John Wick action is that they're not quite understanding when and when not to use slow motion. John okay. Wick doesn't use very much slow motion uh-huh. uh, to start. This one does, but for some reason, they slow down at inopportune times. If you have a character, for instance, doing a flip kick over mm. their head, if that foot that's coming around is not going to actually connect with the face of the person it's aimed at, if it's going to do kind of that stunt man hit the shoulder instead of hit the face, mm-hmm. don't put that in slow motion. You're kicking somebody in the collarbone. This is not going to knock them unconscious. Mm. And in slow motion, it just draws attention to the fact that I'm kicking you slightly to the side of your head. Uh, whereas if it was just quick, you know, speed it up even a little bit, it would look great. And uh, it's it's interesting watching these action directors kind of figure out there's a new way to do action, but they don't. It's not theirs. They haven't quite developed that style. Mm. And... Um, I don't know. Do you do you enjoy? I know you're not a huge fan of the John Wick movies. Do you enjoy that kind of action at all? I mean, I really like the Raid movies, mm-hmm. and I think that's the the pinnacle of that kind of action movies. And I think it kind of introduced that kind mm-hmm. of action to uh, films recently, in the past what it's been five or six years. Mm-hmm. So um, I. Do enjoy that. I I do not like the John Wick movies really at all, and I'm I know I'm in the minority on that. But um, it's just yeah, I, I agree with you. I I think it if they're slowing it down just for the sheer ability to do it and for style, and it's not really adding to the I don't know the moment or the story in like this grand way. Maybe it's not necessary, but maybe I don't know. And the Raid movies are a great example. The Raid movies, it's a bunch of guys that pack in front of a camera and they say action and it's it's extremely well choreographed. But oh, right. But it doesn't feel like they're literally beating each other. Yeah. Well, uh, it's that well choreographed that it feels like yes. they are. Yeah, because it should kill them. The fact yeah. that it's not killing them, but they're actually, when somebody takes a punch in the face, there's a punch in the face. Um, you know, not every single time, but there's well, enough shots I'm of I'm sure that. it's pulled to an extent. It's, sure. They, yeah, they just know how to do that so well. And there's enough shots of, of somebody legitimately being hit that it further sells the illusion when they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's a very un-American that's not well, not un-American. That's just not an American wow. thing. American <laughs> Hollywood is very, you know, insurance clauses and an actor that we've paid twenty-five million dollars yeah. for, and this is not somebody that we want to risk, you know, fracturing an orbital socket in their skull. Well, I mean, like the raid films; those are the main actors are, pro- I think, are well-trained mm-hmm. storm, uh, stunt. Uh, um, actors, so they know how to do that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, like Margot Robbie's not going to, but I'm sure there was moments where the the stand-in, the real stunt actors, taking the place, and they just I don't know, do a face thing. They have cl- clever shot. Yeah. I don't know some CG enhancement. Yeah, yeah, uh, face swapping. Right. Yeah, because unless Margot Robbie has learned some serious martial arts since Wolf on Wall Street, it, it can't possibly. It, it's very convincing that it's her in every shot. I'm sure she. Tr- I think she tried to do as much as she could. From I'm what sure. I, yeah, but. I'm sure. But when we're talking about leaping off of a second kind of story balcony, right? Spin kicking no, somebody. No. 
as you come down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely not <laughs> Marco Robbie. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, it was it was it was worth checking out. Well, that's uh, like cool. I said, I wouldn't send you scurrying to the theater because I know your your tastes and and I don't yeah. think you would be excited to spend twelve dollars on it. I think you would shoulder shrug. But if you wait till it comes out on video, I think then you uh, you might get something out of it. And might yeah, enjoy it. I've just seen so many of those films and always leave kind of dissatisfied and not mad that I spent the money. It's just like I feel like, man, why is everyone else enjoying this so much and I can't really find the charm in it? She does really good. Yeah, uh, I Hugh like McGregor's her. having a blast. Mm-hmm. The cast is definitely having a good time, and so that helps. That always helps. You can right. read that when it's coming through. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, what we have now is a very special What You Watch About <laughs> Oscar edition. What you about Oscar edition. And I'm excited about this because I absolutely love the Oscars. Yeah, uh, it's my Super Bowl mm-hmm. every, every year. If if I can, I it's it's a big event. It's like you know, get food in the house. Uh, nobody else cares about it like I do, so it's not like I invite a bunch of people over. But my wife and I always crash downstairs, and and it's just it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. This Oscars for me uh, was great. Uh, for a couple of different reasons. Now, did you watch it at all? Nope. Okay. Mm-mm. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Everybody has an opinion on these Oscars that watch the Oscars. I just thought they were excellent. Yeah. Uh, I laughed in all the right places. There wasn't a lot of filler. The The montages and the segments were great. Uh, very little fell flat for me. Some of the acceptance speeches really got me. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt delivers this speech where he basically just lays out his career in Hollywood and he's tearing up and I'm like, I love you, Brad. Well, I did catch clips afterwards okay. just so to you kind that. of get a sense of what we're going to talk about, but I didn't watch it when it aired. Okay. Go ahead. You can continue. Uh, no, no, it's okay. okay. Uh, the awards, it, it was a rare year where uh, usually I have some pretty strong favorites. Yeah. And I had some strong favorites this year, but also if something else would win, um, it, it didn't, it, like what? It didn't break my heart uh-huh. or anything. I was just like, yeah, okay, I get that. It was just it was a it was a really good uh, award show. I I also agree it's very strange when it's a parade of white men on mm-hmm. the filmmaking side of things. That bothers me too. I, d- I don't know how you get around that. How do you solve that, Clint? How do you give uh, some other films a um, chance? <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, it's all for show anyway. What does it matter? I don't see what the why it matters. Well, let's talk about that because okay. see, in my corner of the Hollywood world, it's not all for show. It's this it's this pure and legitimate uh, <laughs> celebration of the arts and achievement. You know, if that's the case, then... I know it's not true. <laughs> okay, I know objectively that's not true. Yeah, I know I'm being uh, I'm caught up in a magician act. Mm-hmm. Um. How do, you, how do you change that? How do you shift that? Because a couple of years ago, it felt like they were figuring out how to do that. All of a sudden, I it just... I think they gave up. They yeah, they, they really... Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't like there wasn't... There's great ...award-worthy movies this year yeah. from female directors or, or directors of color and mm-hmm. things like that. They, they were there. Right. I would, I would love to get a peek behind that process. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's something they're actively trying to fix? Um, from... Where the Oscars went this year, mm-hmm. it seems like it, but it's still kind of not meeting the demand that it needs to be. Like with 
um, Parasite winning so many. I think that was fantastic, and that's culturally important and opening up new world like avenues for like films like that to be seen and uh, awarded what they probably should be. But still, it's it's a man. I mean, there was what there was like no women directors. There were no women directors. There was no nominated. color. There was no color. directors of I mean, color nominated. I mean, he's of Korean descent, but correct still. Yeah, I don't know. There was no, um, there there was a lot of things like that. There was even it, it was very striking to me the Oscar presentation. They would put all the faces of the nominees up behind the announcer, and they did this very kind of. I feel like it's shallow and pandering. It would always be uh, a female or somebody of color presenting these awards, but then flanked are these giant faces, Rushmore style mm. of like. Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, just the white actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it I know they were trying to to make it more inclusive, but it really just highlighted that disparity more. Yeah, especially if they're the ones get like handing the award over to just another white man who's yeah. going to win it. That just, I don't know, just feels gross <laughs> to me. I, I don't know. Now, what is it about like awards that that just why why wouldn't you watch the Oscars? Where where did you lose that joy or that excitement? I don't like the idea of art may being made a sport. Huh. I think that's kind of awful, really. Really? Yeah. Huh. It makes like you said, it's your Super Bowl. It is my Super Bowl. And I don't care for sports. And <laughs> I think it is making it a sport. It's awarding making art one thing above another and that's i don't i know that's how our minds work and mm-hmm. we have a natural tendency tendency to do that but i i just don't really buy into that and i watched clips and i, I mean there was like joaquin phoenix's thing like i i got emotion kind of emotional over that especially in when he's talking about his brother and and yeah. the brad pitt was good i i don't know the um and i really liked that parasite just kind of swept the floor with everyone. I loved everybody's reaction. I loved watching yeah, everyone on the stage. Yeah, it was great. And everyone seemed so like kind of enthusiastic about it. Like, yeah, we're like not disappointed. The interesting thing for me, I don't have this relative, but I imagine it happens. Yeah, I imagine there are relatives where you have like your weird, crazy granddad or your weird racist uncle or or that kind of relative and you still got to see him at Thanksgiving. Right. And everybody is not so low key making jokes about them <laughs> in their own house. Uh-huh. That's what the Oscars felt like. They there's obviously this controversy on the surface about who's nominated. But then almost everyone that came up to present an award, whether it was scripted, which surprised me sometimes that it was scripted, but they would slide it in. They would just make a joke right in the face of the Academy as to, yeah, are, are we not going to talk about this? Do we do we not want to mention that this is a thing? And so it was interesting watching presenters who are, are certainly not going to fall in line by any means. They're just there for, you know, the, mm. the awards and the tradition and, and just the right. whatever of it. But But they're sitting there pointing it out constantly on – the Oscar telecast. Mm-hmm. And that's a very interesting contrast. Right. So I think, I mean, if they want to get together, like I and celebrate the accomplishments of the year, maybe it doesn't have to be an award show. It could just be going through the films of the year and 
talking about them and interviewing each other and like oh, like that would be fun i don't know i just don't like the idea of the award aspect mm -hmm. and i understand that like it helps promote like actors and directors to get better jobs and um move on to better things but it's like they're all they're already like i don't know rich and powerful in the industry like I don't know. Well, and I hadn't thought about the the art as sport argument before. That that may sway me a little bit. I think we should avoid doing anything here <laughs> that would ever you know, take I don't art know. and make it a sport. Next week on Cinebabble, we are actually <laughs> this is real. We are we are going to talk about the the best movies of the decade, and we're going to whittle them down to the very best movie of the mm -hmm. decade, year by year by year. So fun little. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if it's sport. It's just like opinion of what art has moved us. It's okay. not, we're not handing out a trophy. So, them. so if the Oscars were about Hollywood celebrating, like, do rankings bother you then? When there's a like I, if Empire comes out and says we're doing our top 100 movies of the the century, I don't mind the idea of the list, but mm -hmm. I don't like when we do it like the top five. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't like having a top one because nothing ever – I could move that list around free-flowing and not yeah. have that. That's one of the things I noticed when I was putting together my kind of list from each year and list of the decade and everything is I would think it was locked in. Mm. And then a day later, I would look at it again and I would shuffle some movies around. And even after we record that episode, I'm sure a week from then, it would shuffle around right. again. And I, I think that's the – kind of amazing thing about cinema or any any art is that it's it's so subjective that's kind of the joy of it there's no right. objective way to measure whether yeah. one movie is better than another right for a person there is like i can sit there and in some cases very much say you know transformers compared to something like parasite mm -hmm. uh you know there's there's a very clear winner there but for somebody else they don't want to read subtitles they don't care about this right. weird korean family they just they want their you know rock'em sock'em robots yeah and i don't like that's totally valid mm -hmm. and i don't shame anyone for the things they like and i understand the things i like aren't everyone's cup of tea and that, i'm totally fine with that it's like mm -hmm. i like the idea of like oh this is my personal favorite it kind of gives you a picture into what that person likes and mm -hmm. who they are and what they're drawing from as inspiration and but like for this giant organization to stand up and say this is this is we're saying this one's the best but like oh you women maybe you're not quite on this list this year and that whole like there's been so many years of that 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 they've had this argument and it's like they can't come to some conclusion on how to solve that and it's just strange and is the solution just the same as the actor actress category i thought of that but like that's kind of demeaning best female director best male no. director but that even feels that feels disgusting Ew. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you i i rolled that right out there <laughs> no i had the exact same yeah. thought because yeah. i was thinking about today on like what you could do and that uh, my mind went there and i was like no that's not not a way to solve that either because you're just then putting them in their own separate category and yeah. um the whole actor actress thing is slightly weird mm -hmm. but well, and it's like, at least it gives them a, like gives them a chance in to have their own section of the show and mm -hmm. i don't know 
And it's difficult too because let's say there's a year, let's say you're trying to uh, be more inclusive and let's say you use percentages or numbers or representation. Oh, there's you know 30% female directors, so 30% of the awards for a director needs to be to a female mm. um, or vice versa. Uh, what if that year, 70% of males, what if there just was not 70% of those awards that should be awarded or nominated for a male. Do you lock it to numbers? That doesn't work either because mm. then you're taking away kind of, it was just a really good year for women or wow, the guys did it this year. Not that it's a competition like that at all. I just mean at some point art has to return to how it reaches its audience and, and how it impacts. And that's not always going to fall neatly on on these lines where, oh, we, you know, we have five nominations for director, two are female, three are male, or three are female, two are male, or it just doesn't work that way. And so, and but I, I think, think every year there is, there are exceptional. I definitely do too. And I think that's where the cynicism comes into it. It, it almost feels like a cynical kind of setup as to who's nominated, right. where who's nominated is generally those kind of prestige movies. We talked about Her Smell. Her smell, Elizabeth Moss, uh, was definitely turning in an award-worthy performance. But we knew there's no way when Academy nominations were going to come out that she was going to be on there because the film itself was too small, too unseen or overlooked or whatever the case. It's not the kind of thing that was going to get any attention. Well, I mean, I mean, there have been small films that have won mm-hmm. before. So, I mean, I don't see why that would be a reason... But those small films that have won are always the ones that have a hook in that Hollywood audience. And you hear the buzz of it. There, there's the idea that it's a small film. But Hollywood itself, whether it's you know uh, um, journalism or the actors or the directors, they, they've seen it. There's a buzz in their own community about this little gem of a film. And, well, and think, sure enough, it pops up like a parasite. I think it, when that film came out, it did do that. Did it? I think it had some buzz around okay. it. I think it just got overlooked and as the year went on other things popped up and Mm. um kind of got forgot but i i see that movie as something that could be one of the one of those films Mm -hmm. just from the sheer her performance alone um and that's another case is just like well why did this thing make it and why didn't why did that like i don't know but like Little Women, that should have definitely been. That was on like a ton of people's list for the year, the best film, and it was so much, and it was buzzed about, and it's been on the other award circuits. And and I wish I had gotten a chance to see it. It was it was literally in our theaters for a week, I think. It popped up over at our local theater. I think it, it was, was there gone. quite a bit. Was it? Yeah. I must have just missed it then mm. because it felt like it just, as soon as I knew it was there mm. and I started plotting when I could get to see it, it was gone again. Right. So I... I don't know. But I'll tell you what, uh, Hollywood, if you're listening, uh, right here, Cinebabel, we've got some solutions. Put us in Did a room. Did we really come with, up with any? I don't think so. No, but what we demonstrated, Clint, is that we're capable of it. Oh, okay. And so I'm just putting in a plug for, you know, give us some of that Hollywood cash. Uh, you know what? We even have this new $60,000 trailer trailer. We could even use our own space. We could go in there and think tank a little bit. We'll have, and, yeah. Um, the Oscars are pounding out Shakespeare. We could come out of that trailer trailer. The Oscars are going to be in the trailer trailer next year. We could have yeah. the real gold of Oscar gold. I'm like, here you go. 
We've solved it all. We have this, we have solved race and gender and awards. Hollywood, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. That's why we're here, and this is why we're doing this. And they'll put a little plaque on the trailer trailer that says, here, here, <laughs> racism, sexism, and other societal issues yep. were solved. We can't wait. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tonight we have uh, three movies that we covered. Uh, We have Honey Boy, Them That Follow, and Parasite. Parasite we're definitely going to spend a little more time with. It's Best Picture winner after all, and Love Awards or Hate Them. Somebody thought that movie was important, so we're going to think it's a little important too. But let's start with (laughs) Honey Boy. That wasn't a jabby. I feel like it is. It wasn't a jabby. I promise. Uh, Felt like a jab. A little bit. Uh, Honey Boy is uh, a movie directed by a screenplay uh, that was written by Shia LaBeouf, and it's essentially autobiographical, and it's it's an autobiographical tale of this boy coming up through Hollywood and his troubled and complicated relationship with his father, who's essentially being hired and acting as his manager, and it's it's a pretty emotionally abusive relationship. It's and a, physically, a physically and verbally abusive relationship. And uh, it's it's a tough watch. Clint, what did you think about Honey Boy? It was okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it was well made. I, <laughs> my whole view, <laughs> I was viewing this through my Shia LaBeouf glasses. I was too. But because, go on. Okay. So that's all I could see. I just, because I don't have much love for the shy. <laughs> the Shia. <laughs> Um, so I could only see that and I, and I could understand that it was well made, it was well directed. The boy, um, who plays his younger self is doing a good job. Um, but man, Shy is just chewing it up, just chewing it up, spitting it out, taking some more in. Regurgitating it, re-eating yep. it, throwing it up into his own mouth one more mm-hmm. time. Spitting it in the air. Gurgling it, gurgling it. That's yeah. that's kind of a perfect image of how I felt about this. It's not that he's doing a bad job. Yeah. Um, he he does well as this boy's father. Basically his father. Basically his father. He's playing his father, which, yeah. uh, you know, on the side of, wow, congrats to you. Yeah. That's got to be incredibly difficult to immerse yourself into the mind of your abuser and play them on screen. Because one of the noteworthy things about this is he does go to some lengths to have some sympathy Mm. for his father through this role. He tries, it feels like he's really trying to understand or kind of bring to culmination his understanding of this man and what made him who he was and his flaws. But it it feels very indulgent. Mm -hmm. It It felt like to me you could tell he had been thinking and working on this for a long time Mm -hmm. and he'd been playing it out in his head how these scenes are going to play out and he was just like ready to do it and i I didn't get the sense that he had reached some grand conclusion i didn't feel like he had had peace about this um it it felt very unresolved Mm -hmm. and so it felt more like a a performance piece and the minute uh, somebody acting when it starts to get that feeling of a black box theater kind of low rent performance piece mm. it's it completely pulls me out of the movie i was too aware yeah that he's playing his own dad yeah I, yeah i wish he would have handed it off and even directed it but yeah just, but just handed it off and said 
you know, somebody like a Matthew McConaughey, you play this guy mm-hmm. and I need to remove myself from it and, and work out my issues artistically behind the camera. But being in front of the camera, I, I didn't feel like he had enough. I just peace, I guess is the biggest thing. I, I don't feel like he had closure on the whole thing Espe- to be able to make that film. Especially with um, the character, uh, the actor playing his like older self, mm-hmm. who's like going through rehab and everything. Yeah. Um, Lucas Hedges. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You feel like at the end, like he doesn't come to a conclusion on what his relationship with, the, what his relationship with his father really meant yeah. and how he affected him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's scenes where you kind of are, but you never, there's no catharsis at the end where, um, and maybe he, at that point in his life, he's, I mean, it's, clearly drawing from his life he wasn't there yet and maybe that's the thing maybe it's not that he shouldn't have played his dad maybe yeah. it's just he's not at a place in life the story is not finished right. he as an actor is still right in the middle of just some some personal some self-admitted personal weirdness and right. issues and so he hasn't gotten to the other side so to make this this movie needed to be made from the perspective of i made it through i'm on the other side i'm not that kid that had uh, weird performance art breakdowns mm-hmm. just a year ago and two years ago right, and three right. years ago. Because it wasn't that long ago no, he was putting no. a paper bag over his head and inviting people into an art museum to do whatever they want to him. Right. He, you know, he, he hasn't been out of the weeds mm-hmm. very long, if at all. I I don't know. I I thought the exact same thing. It was, it was okay. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have been better just as is. If there was somebody else playing his dad, but mm-hmm. I, I couldn't separate the two. And yeah. I was constantly thinking about Shia LaBeouf. Right, right. Instead of the characters, yeah. the movie, the performances, whatever else. I was I was almost 100% detached from that film. Yeah. And I feel like maybe if he awaited five or six more mm-hmm. years, so he was kind of maybe at a similar age of his father I, don't, I mean i don't know what age his father was during all this maybe they are the same age but just seeing those pictures at the end it didn't feel like they were no um because it seemed like it was that time frame in those well, pictures and he really ages up the character of his father yeah uh, with you know bald right. caps but it still didn't feel like quite right no no um yeah maybe it would have been fun to like just go like kaufman on it mm-hmm. where like this the little boy is playing the dad or something and he's playing like it's just like some role reversal and like really throwing it off so he could experience the film from a different angle and like that i don't know well and that that meta trick is is a really difficult balance to strike right being john malkovich pops to mind yeah where that's a very meta movie right near title john malkovich is in this movie he has got to strike this very fine line between I'm an actor and I'm playing myself Mm -hmm. and I'm in this weird, absurdist, surreal film. That that movie does it very, very well. Oh yeah. But it's because he's he's so understanding of who he is as a public persona. Mm -hmm. He's he's confident in who he is as a human being and he understands and and is lockstep with what the filmmakers are doing. Mm-hmm. And so it comes through on the screen. It feels as if the idea is complete. Right. It feels as if the actor is at a place in, in his life where he can comment and use his own persona to comment on celebrity or anything else. Uh, here, it just didn't translate. Right. And uh, not to go 
too much detail, but his relationship with the like prostitute, mm-hmm. that whole story like was so unnerving to me. And I was just like, where is this going? Yep. And I was like, is this going to go in a direction that's going to make me feel really uncomfortable? And luckily it doesn't, but it was just, um, I don't know, it just set me on a weird trajectory with uh, the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, bottom line, I, I had the same reaction. It was a quality film. It looks good. Uh, it's it's well-directed. Uh, the script is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the elements are there. But, uh, I think I was mo- the m- mostly invested in the older version of him going mm-hmm. through rehab and um, trying to come to terms with how his father has really abused him and basically PTSD that he's Mm -hmm. kind of going through from his relationship. And I like that angle of it. And I kind of wish there was more of that. And it was kind of almost flashbacky to um, the Shia LaBeouf playing his dad. Mm -hmm. And it was more weighted that way rather than like more towards the Shia LaBeouf playing his dad. Yeah. I don't know. I don't regret watching it, but it was... No, no. I could see why people didn't... Like, it's pretty high. Like, it's got like a 90-some percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Not, I mean, I, man. I respect the ambition of it. I respect mm-hmm. the what he's trying to do. It's just my personal brain. There are people who can't go to a Tom Cruise movie and separate weird Tom Cruise outside <laughs> of the movie from Tom Cruise in the movie. Yeah. I've never had that problem. Right. I can go watch a Tom Cruise movie and just like, oh, we're Mission Impossible. This is yeah. Ethan, Ethan Hunt. Mm-hmm. No problem. Uh, but I understand people who just cannot uh, go and see that without seeing the, the couch hopping Scientologist. Right. I get it. Yeah. Uh, Shia LaBeouf is that for me. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Uh, next movie that we watched was Them That Follow. Mm-hmm. And Them That Follow was a, a surprising little flick for me. Yeah. Uh, that I'll tell you right up front. I really enjoyed. Oh, cool. And uh, it's about Mara. And this is this young girl. She's the devoted daughter of a snake handling preacher, which not a lot of representation for snake handling preachers no, in Hollywood. There should be more. There should be. Mm-hmm. But her dad is played by Walton Goggins, and they're they're preparing for her arranged marriage. Uh, it's semi arranged. Yeah, she, she has still a, has to agree to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so it's not super creepy, but she also feels pressure that she can't say anything about it. Uh, and there's just a lot of characters around this. And it's it's about this small little woods community mm-hmm. of of kind of Bible Belt like snake Appalachia, handling isn't Appalachia yeah. uh, congregation members and how they respond to kind of just the realities of what what a young kid or a couple of young kids would go through. Right. What'd you think of them that follow? I thought it was good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah I was. Um, I thought it was really well acted by everyone across the board. Um, I think. Not that um, it's really a disparity to the film. I wish maybe it's like uh, proving that it was well done is just I wish there was more of every aspect of it because I was getting invested in the characters and this world and it like takes me back to growing up in the church and just the idea of faith and what that means to you and how it relates to the rest of the world. And so, yeah. I I was really (laughs) interested because a a lot of times – people talk about, and I do the same thing, I talk about character arcs and characters need this arc. This is not a movie of character arcs. They're there. Yeah. This is something where just a lot of times I really felt like I was watching 
just getting a, a peek into some very real people and right. their lives. The complete opposite of Honey Boy, where Honey Boy was constantly pulling me out and making me feel like I was watching an actor. This had the exact opposite effect, even with Walton Goggins. Yeah. This should be the flashiest role in the movie, and he's very restrained. And I kept waiting. As soon as he's nice early on, he's a very kind, uh, pastorly preacher. I'm just like, oh, this guy's a monster. Can I ask you a question sure, real quick? Sure. Do you think this is like a prequel to him playing Baby Billy? <laughs> right, just gemstones? Like this is his backstory? Um, More of his backstory? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that came to mind when I was watching it. I was like... <laughs> Did not even occur to me at the time, but now... Definitely amazing. Candlein pastor earlier in life. Definitely amazing. I, <laughs> if this had any hint of comedy whatsoever, I would have made that connection. Yeah. But it's it's such it's, a yeah, dramatic straight film. Based, yeah, it just didn't occur to me. <laughs> but but even even Walton Goggins and and he generally goes over or not over the top in a bad way, but he's a he's inflated a, yeah, character yeah. actor. Uh, and he does which I, that is yet. what I like about him. He's just such a weird character and. He plays it up, but yeah. this he's very straight, and and that worked for it. And, yeah, and that's that's most of the actors. Jim Gaffigan's in it, and I thought for sure this is going to be a distraction. No, he's he just plays it. I'm just this father of this teen boy. Uh, you know that there's there's kind of a crisis there. Uh, he plays it very straight and yeah. very very well done. Yeah, he I think um, he's like trying to do more dramatic stuff because he has another movie where like. He's like an Uber driver and gets involved with this. I don't, can't remember the name of it. But it's come, came out this past year where, like, gets involved with this drug dealer. Okay. So, like, I think he's trying to branch out. Yeah, so he's cool. great in it. Olivia Coleman plays his wife. Mm -hmm. uh, she's great in it. The girl who plays Mara is really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, and and I liked it. It never the movie itself, the script never states directly when something happens. It always suggests mm -hmm. early in the film when she finds out she's pregnant uh, because of her relationship with this boy that is not the one that she's going to be marrying. And that's it's another thing to the like it's like not broadcasting anything. Mm -hmm. Like it took me a minute to realize they weren't the same boy because <laughs> I like I just I thought oh he's she's supposed to marry this guy mm -hmm. and but like they've already been like having like sexual relations mm -hmm. and so she's trying to but then it clicked like oh they're the same guy <laughs> well and even she steals a pregnancy test yeah you don't get the moment you see her going out into the woods to to take the test but then the next morning suddenly you just have this scene where she's praying and she's all upset and her dad finds her, and you know what the pregnancy test says. Yeah. But there's no shot of the pregnancy test close in camera with the right. plus sign. It it just it's it's all suggesting. Mm -hmm. And it it was such a comfortable way to be drawn into this world, even when dealing with the services when they're handling the snakes and everything. I've heard about this before. I've oh heard yeah. Quite a bit about it. Yeah. So. I understood it, but I I think even if I didn't have that understanding going into it, the story and the way that it lays out completely explains what these characters are doing. It mm -hmm. explains why they have in their their biblical interpretation, you know, kind of drifted into the direction of let's dance around with rattlesnakes, which right. is inherently insane. <laughs> oh yeah, inherently yeah. insane. Yeah. Uh, you know, to read that kind of passage and think what it's saying is, yes, go dance with serpents, and if they bite you, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, it's like God testing you, and you're yeah. supposed to pray your um, for 
healing and he'll he'll bring you through and it, and it's like this physical representation of faith in God mm-hmm. and that you can see this thing happening and um, react with it and like the danger of sin or that you're physically holding and you're trying to pray be one with God mm-hmm. so you can stay safe basically yeah. and it was interesting watching the way they even play with it in the community because community, even the pastor, you can see that they struggle with this idea. When they go out, so so here's a group of, of very religious people who believe that God will protect them from snakes. Mm-hmm. But when they go out to hunt rattlesnakes, what do they do? They take these long poles yeah. with the clamp at the end to catch these snakes. They keep them in wooden boxes. So there's this disconnect between their faith in the middle of a service. Oh, this is when we're tested. This is when we're protected from serpents. Right, right. But when we have to go find them, well, that's really dangerous. It's like a ceremony of sorts when they go out to to find them. It's like part of it, but it's respecting them and not being afraid of them, but then testing themselves. And there's no point where they explain that disconnect away, but you can intuit how the characters have worked that out in their mind, right? how they've come to a logical conclusion that, oh no, when we're actually being tested is when we're in this ceremony in the service and we're actually determining, okay, do we have the Holy Spirit right now or not? And that's what protects us rather than when we're just out looking for these things. That's not that ceremony. And you can see how right. they've divided those things off. Or they're like separate that. kind of ceremonies, mm-hmm. like they're different parts of the whole. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even the third act of this film gets pretty intense uh, and really had me on edge. Mm, yeah. But even then, it did it in a very restrained way. I think the, the least restraint it has, it two or three times, I think three times in the movie, it really rapidly and jarringly goes back and forth between two things happening at one time. And it's very effective. It really, it really kind of upset that comfort that you get lulled into early on Mm. Um, because these are even that pastor again there's a sense of these people are safe but they're doing these dangerous things and you feel like there's there's darkness lurking behind all that safety behind all the smiles behind all of the the kindness you feel like anybody's going to turn at any moment the adult characters generally don't Mm. Olivia Coleman's character, even after she discovers the girl's pregnant, she doesn't do anything with that. Right, right. And it seems like she would be the one that would overreact. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's the young girl, her friend, who hasn't had experience in the world. She's the one that's like, oh, this is something that that has to be dealt with. Right. Um, but but the older characters don't. And that was very interesting to me. Mm. Even, even when it builds slight spoilers... Even as it builds towards the end where Mara and her dad, the pastor, come into conflict, even then they have an argument. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go over the top. Right, right. Uh, He's still ready to kill anybody that touches her. Yeah, yeah. He's he's still Yeah, that surprised me because like I was waiting for it to turn to you see the true nature of him Mm -hmm. where he actually isn't a good father and he's would risk everything just to hold on to this church and this yeah. thing he's created. But no, he, he doesn't. He, yeah. he does like stand by her. And I think also with like the Olivia Coleman, her character, when she doesn't turn her in, it's like, I think she knows the ramifications of doing that for them in mm-hmm. the community, like how that would affect everything. Cause it's such a small knit group. Yeah. And, um, 
I think like her friend, like, yeah, she, I think she's thinks she's doing the right thing for her relationship with the guy she's supposed to marry. Mm -hmm. Like, but, and she thinks that he, she should be staying true to him because Mm -hmm. she's made this commitment, but, um, she doesn't really realize, I don't know who he is and what he's capable of. And yeah. And, and not to defend him, but he seems kind of lost too, because the pastor, and this is when I really thought, oh, here we go. The pastor pulls him aside when uh, the fiance and Mara are having disagreements and tension. Mm-hmm. And he says, you've got to teach her how to be a wife. Right. And I said to myself, ah, oh, here it is. Yeah, that's This where is it. where the dad is a monster and he is now going to train the fiance how to tame right. his daughter. Yeah, I thought that's where it was going. Uh, and there's already in the background some things about her mother died. And so I'm like, oh, here we go never comes to fruition Mm. in a deliberate way. It's still that hint of a society where a male is one thing, a female is another thing. Oh, it's like that direct biblical culture. Right, yeah. But it never to the point where he's going to allow the abuse of his daughter. Never to the point where he's going to allow her to be hurt or harmed or anything like that. Even, Even his response to figuring out what's going on is to go and have a religious experience, not mm-hmm. to beat her, not to abuse her, not to punish. Would go before God and he he would go before God and take it, and that just yeah, it's so tracked. And by the end, it was it was kind of a sigh of relief, even though I don't think there's a lot of resolution between her and her dad. There was this sigh of relief that okay, he was he was. This isn't about a girl escaping a community of monsters. And that it really came back to the title, Them That Follow. This is about a group of people that that follow. They follow blindly, and they're not the kind of people that just stop and think about what they're doing or what the consequences of those things are. They're, they're still kind of stumbling around trying to figure it out as they go. I think it was a moment at the end for them to leave. Mm-hmm. I think... They, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think yeah. it was them coming to realization yeah. of what their this community actually is mm-hmm. and how it's not quite right for them. Yeah. And um, for, But going back to um, the character she's supposed to marry, I, I feel like that whole thing, I didn't really have any sympathy for him because... I think he just kind of get, kept getting more allowances to mm-hmm. behave the way he wanted to. And like that whole thing where he's saying you need to show her how to be a wife. Mm-hmm. And I think that just like he fell into, okay, I know what this means. It means like maybe that's what he saw growing up exactly. or whatever. That's probably but, what he saw demonstrated. Yeah, but it, like you could see it in him like, okay, like I can – be who I want to be, and she has to behave how I want her to be. And it's not what the pastor intended. Right. But, but he's he injecting that permission right. into you know, this blank canvas of a kid who, who yeah. knows what he's watched his dad do with his mom. We never right. meet his parents, so we don't know. But he's much older than the pastor's daughter, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was there's just a lot of interesting dynamics in the movie. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed watching... The characters interact. I, wa- I enjoyed watching the actors really sink their teeth into what could be written as very outlandish roles. And I, I thought at the end of the day, there was at no point them trying to undermine these people's faith or the way that those kind of people would think. It's really just examining the way that people believe mm. and the way that people follow something to an extreme, thinking that they're doing good. And it, it just sort of asked the questions. But is it good? And and how do 
people react in those situations and is it healthy and is it an actual expression of faith or is it just drifting off course? Right. I, I love that it it just kind of surrounded that and let you kind of dwell in this world and ask those kind of questions. Yeah. Yeah, I like the use of like the snakes is like I think I already said, like mm-hmm. this physical manifestation of faith and um, these people like interacting with it and what it means to them and like like the her love interest, what he does like because he's kind of falling away from it. He doesn't believe any of this. Yeah. So it's him trying to interact with faith for her in the way that he thinks she, or the way she, I don't know, he thinks she wants him to um, and what that means for him and how he's not really being true to himself. And he kind of gets, I mean, he gets hurt physically and, and spiritually from it. So um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, it's on Amazon to rent, uh, and it was it was definitely worth my four bucks. It is not available on Blu-ray, mm. uh, so it's not something you can pick up on disc. Uh, but grab it digitally, check it out. Yeah, uh, it was good. Awesome. I wish there was a little bit more to just every aspect of it. I think it could have gone a little farther. And it's one I look forward to watching again because yeah. I felt the same way. And I'm curious if that's an expectation thing. Mm. I want to watch it again and see if it just sits well with me hmm. being what it is. Uh, it, it was definitely a movie that at the end of it, my imagination starts clicking in and, ooh, what happens to this person? What happens to this person? And my mind was kind of playing out the story in different directions and settling on, oh, I bet this happens. Right. Um, you know, I bet these characters who end on a very poor note probably come back together and have a reunion. Yeah. And, uh, there, there were just different things yeah. there like that. I mean, yeah, there was subtle character arcs to everyone and i like that and um if it didn't go the way it did i think i would have not liked the movie yeah yeah i think if it would have gone in the expected route i would have just kind of shrugged it off Mm. and and thought well it started as something restrained and interesting and then it turned into exactly what any movie like this would turn into Mm. so i appreciated that Uh, and i would love i need to do some more reading i didn't have time to this week i would love to know uh, was you know were the the filmmakers were they raised in this is there it feels like there's a very personal mm. connection to this kind of community it doesn't feel like something that's just researched it's possible but it would not surprise me at all if the director or the screenwriter was raised uh, maybe in, near in this community yeah maybe in just door faith in general and like they were interested in this specific branch of how people mm. behave in, I don't know, or how they express it. So they just thought it was an extreme example. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's worth checking out, and it's yeah. at least not the Westboro Baptist Church. So I <laughs> kept it from being awful. Uh, our next movie is Parasite. That's the last time I'll mention Westboro Baptist Church on this podcast. Probably. Is that the second time? It's. I think it's just the first. Oh. First and last. You get three. I get three. <laughs> That feels like too much. <laughs> I'd rather mention the Nazis. Mm. So Parasite, Parasite just won Good Picture. Uh, good good picture. picture. <laughs> and Good Picture goes to Parasite. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not edit that out. That is. No, I won't. I don't wow. edit this to that much of a degree. Wow. <laughs> good picture. Good picture. <laughs> Why would I edit that out? <laughs> See, you wormed your way into my brain with your artistic merit nonsense. <laughs> 
So everything we just give a good a, picture. You get a ribbon. You get a ribbon. Can we do our own award show and we give away good <laughs> picture? It was good. I think most weeks I'm giving away good yeah, picture. Yeah. Well, that's the the Clintian fine award. <laughs> it's fine. Anywho, <laughs> Parasite, uh, mm-hmm. directed by uh, Bong Joon Ho. Mm-hmm. It's a South Korean film, and it's it's about greed. It's about class discrimination. It's about class warfare. It's about overflowing toilets. It's about overflowing <laughs> toilets. It's essentially this story. How many of a, uh, Oscar winners have overflowing toilet scenes? Not you know what that. Not many is my hunch, but wouldn't it be funny if it's like 13? Maybe that's the thing. That go, we should go back. Maybe like that's the smoking gun and every picture winner <laughs> has that and we just overlooked it. And this was the only one that really shined a light on it. Braveheart deleted scene. Yeah. Or, uh, overflowing toilet. Early Scottish 12th century toilet. Mm-hmm. There you go. We nailed it. <laughs> It's about uh, parasites about this lower class family and they basically infiltrate this upper class family person by person and the upper class family does not realize they are hiring an entire family a mother father daughter and son but they con and worm their way in and displace and get fired employees of this upper class family and essentially just take up shop and Mm. it starts with the the boy making a living working for these people and he's just like oh man we could all do this. And so now one family is right under the nose of another family, and it's just watching that play out. Clint, what do you think of Parasite? Well, we watched this um, around Christmas. A friend brought it home for a screener, and we all hunkered down and watched it. And I was super excited to see it. There's been so much buzz about it, and I really like all of uh, Bong Joon-ho's other films. He's always really strange and... Um, there's a kind of cartoony aspect to a lot of them. Like, uh, what's, uh, the other last one? Um, Okjo mm-hmm. and like Snowpiercer. Um, so I was really excited to see it. And so I was expecting just to be really bizarre, just out there and thought the trailers were kind of just setting up the strangeness. So after watching it, I was pretty let down by it. Because I, it was really subtle. It was just kind of this story of this family in this small situation. It's a really pretty small film, just a couple settings. And I was really bummed out, actually, because, like, everyone loves this film. And I was like, what did I miss about this film? And, and I was like, I guess it's just not for me. Like, I didn't even put it on my top ten of the year <laughs> when we did our list. So I was just like, ah, I guess I just something hit didn't hit with me so last night i sat down i was like i'm gonna give this another shot and i had like this is probably the biggest like turn for me on a film that i've ever had Hmm. this jumped up to the top like second movie my favorite of the year like i loved it this time i i don't know i was getting over cold at the time we watched it maybe that was it maybe because it was a screener and every five minutes like the logo saying do not copy this or rent it out or whatever and that was distracting particularly in a movie with subtitles yeah and it was a dvd Mm -hmm. so it was on your big screen and it was just like kind of blown out so i don't know it's just maybe i wasn't in the mood it was late i was just a lot of things uh but Watching, I had the best time watching it last night. Like it was every emotional moment hit me. Like the first time, like I was like, I, I, okay, whatever. But I don't know, maybe just seeing it again and knowing the expectations I had were 
um, not there because I knew what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. Yeah. So. I, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it much more the first time, but I also had a little bit of an upswing on the second time. Um, and it probably would have bop, bumped up another notch in my list. But I, I didn't have that grand of a swing. I, just for some reason other than when the logo would come up, uh, I, I was just completely in that movie. But I had also read right beforehand that it was a smaller movie mm. and that it, it didn't do a lot of things that his previous movies did. His first movie that I saw was The Host Me too. way back when. Yeah. And he's always gone very big and interesting concept and things like this. And I could definitely understand when you first see this thinking it is a much smaller concept in well, a smaller film. But it's it's yeah. just as big a concept. Yeah. It's just not on the surface. Yeah. If I had known it was more like his film Mother, mm-hmm. um, I would have, okay, I would have like, okay, that's where he's going with okay. this. And that's the le- like the level and intensity that's going to be at. Um, I So I just, I don't know, just coming off like Okja and it's just like big weird cartoon. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I was expecting. I was just expecting something super weird and mm-hmm. it wasn't. And, but it is. It is. But it's it's just a lot more subtle and personal and mm-hmm. um, has a lot to say. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I think it's one of the most well-paced, mm-hmm. interestingly structured films mm-hmm. because it is almost all taking place within – a week or two and there's a large section that's like in a day and a half mm-hmm. and that threw me off the first time and that made it feel small but this time it just like the pacing of that and letting things sit and letting things just play out in this really tense way and funny way and um i really just got to take it in this time it's it's it has a surprising humor to it mm-hmm. it's it's really that's one of the things i think that most ties it to the host or Oakjaw, or, yeah. where where really you get his sense of humor just pouring through this movie. He really goes out of his way to make each character sort of come alive right. in their own way. And there's there's a humor there. There's a, a joy of life or a depression of life. Or there's something there that really encapsulate each different person. And so then watching them all get shoved into this very strange uh, kind of blender – creates a lot of of the entertainment and really made it something that even the second time I knew exactly what was going to happen. It almost made it more uh, of a joy to watch because you knew where this was going. Mm -hmm. And so those moments where things are happy, you realize, oh, no, exactly (laughs) what's coming next. And you see a lot more of the foreshadowing. You see a lot more of the things it's setting up just to knock them down. And I, I enjoyed all of that. I thought the writing was just one point. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know this this movie as a Best Picture nominee uh, was a couple of firsts? It was the first South Korean mm-hmm. movie that that won the awards that it won, kind of top to bottom. It was uh, it's the first Best Picture winner to deal with uh, climate change. Uh, that's what's happening with all the flooding and everything. It's the first Best Picture film that's that's done that. Uh, it's it had a lot of firsts. Was it, that it felt like, like it was like really intentionally? That's really intentionally mm. what's happening. Apparently, that's something that they're dealing with in South Korea in some of these overpopulated areas. It's a very real thing, and so that's what it is. I didn't get that from the context of the movie when I watched it the first time. I just thought, oh, it's a poor community. 
Uh, it's not. Yeah, I thought it was just like infrastructure's poor. I thought it was just emphasizing the idea of living underground and what you deal with with that. Like you're just really nailing that home of the the dis- this, um, difference between the class classes. Well, and that's what. I, so on one level, there are all these shots of them walking to this house. Yeah, it's, it's like always a city on the hill. hill. Yeah, and yeah, you have city on the hill. You have upper, literally upper class mm-hmm. as opposed to lower class. But it's also this, the wealthier are where it's safe from mm-hmm. the things that are affecting the poor community. The the wealthy can do whatever they want to the planet. The poor community is the one that's going to get flooded out anyway. And so it's it's not an on-the-nose right, kind yeah. of climate crisis. What was the movie we watched earlier this year with the the environmental crusader? Um, uh, Woman at War. Woman at War. Yeah. Same kind of thing where at the end when it's dealing with flooding and things like that, it's not directly saying, oh, look at this. Right. It's just dealing with it as an element of this mm-hmm. is something that this town is impacted by or that this is something that this community is, is struggling with. Mm. Uh, and so there are all kinds of elements like that. There's a lot layered into this movie. Even the second time, I got completely different things out of it than the first time. And I suspect a third and fourth time, the exact same thing will happen. Right. Where something else will kind of stand out that didn't stand out before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk a little bit of spoilers? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is then officially uh, where we're going to switch over some spoilers. So if you haven't seen Parasite, go see Parasite. It's well worth it. Uh, pick it up, rent Ooh, it. Ooh, what's that smell? Out. Something smells spoiled. I know. What? It's so strange. Something in this trailer. We should have. We should have stayed <laughs> in the trailer. Trailer, just to be like, oh, mm-hmm. that's that's not good. But uh, so, can we start right at the end, or do you want to work your way through? Is there anything early on you really want to hit? Because I want to talk about once they get to that basement. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say that there are a lot of foreshadowing little things mm-hmm. to um, elements throughout, just like to uh, to the family in the basement or mm-hmm. the father, husband um, down there, just like with the lights and uh, that I didn't notice the first time. And I just didn't, I, I, I was just must've been extremely distracted during that first <laughs> viewing. Um, but that uh, like the rock, I didn't realize what, the, cause there was a whole line mm-hmm. about, cause I didn't, was like, what is this rock? Like I didn't, I missed the whole line about what the rock represented. And it's like, it's a good sign of wealth to come. And so that was really interesting to have that throughout the whole thing. And just that him, while he's clinging onto this thing and um, how he thinks it's giving him what he wants, but it's really giving him almost the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I really like the line of um, when the mother at the house is talking about uh, her son seeing the ghost mm-hmm. and how that's a good sign of wealth and how they're doing really well right now and just these these superstitious things throughout that um, tying into the belief of what gives you wealth and what that means for your life and what how what they think wealth is mm-hmm. and. Yeah. yeah, and and every each of the two families have a very distinct understanding of how wealth works. Yeah, that's that's very and their idea of what wealth is to them. Yeah, it's very yeah. personal to their family. Yeah, to one, it is it is almost a magical, mythical thing that's bestowed upon people right through supernatural means. Mm-hmm. Whereas for the upper class family, the only supernatural element is that the the supernatural is there. It's a part of things. 
but they've earned it. He's a businessman. Right, He's, right. They are a family that has worked and has has achieved yeah. this, this status. Yeah, it's not a sign that they're going to have wealth. It's more like we have wealth mm-hmm. and maybe more is to come. And yeah. it's not something that's, yeah, it's going to give it to them. It's just a sign to the future. Well, and that was what was different about the lower class family believing that way, because even though they believe it's a supernatural thing, they're still con artists. Right. They still essentially steal, lie, cheat, and steal to get this thing that they think is going to be supernaturally bestowed upon them as if they're hurrying along the the supernatural aspect to, to give them what they actually deserve. Well, also, I mean, as soon as he's giving that given that rock by his friend, his friend also mm-hmm. gives him this opportunity. Yep. So it's kind of all linked to this sign of, and he and his friend tells him to lie yeah. about his college, um, his diploma. So and it's that, that rock becomes almost a justification. This is this is supernatural. It's coming to us, right? So why wouldn't we to, just speed it along? Yeah, we're and to just actually, follow this path. Yeah, we're not actually doing something morally wrong in, in getting these other people fired. And they justify it by like, I'm going to go go like he says, I'm going to go to school yeah. after all of this, yeah. and. Uh, I think there was a couple other things said mm-hmm. similar to that. But um, yeah, what were you, you wanted to talk about well, the end. this all builds, that all leads to it. This all builds to the point where they have a little bit of a drunken party in the house mm-hmm. while the upper class family is out. And that's all very expected. And now you're just waiting for the upper class family to come home. Of course, they're going to come home early. That's how movies work. <laughs> uh, the lower class family are doing things they shouldn't be doing. They're going to get caught. Mm-hmm. That is not what happens. The upper class family does come home early, but it sends everybody into this scurry that leads them to uh, the discovery because one of the people that got fired comes back, but the discovery of this basement. And in this basement. Well, that, that's how they come to the basement mm-hmm. because the woman comes back to, because she once says she left something Correct. there. But it's happening at the same time as the, the family coming home early. Is well, it, ha- it happens right after. Scene. Right. It hap- yeah. So they discover this basement and they discover that the the former housekeeper, the other woman that they got has, fired had that they got fired has her husband downstairs. And her husband has just been living in the basement. He's communicating like a bomb through shelter. lights. Mm-hmm. And he's he is three degrees shy of <laughs> gone. He has lost it. Yeah. Uh, and this is really where the movie sinks its teeth in and says, here's where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. You know inevitably that this lower class family cannot keep up this ruse. Mm-hmm. Even if the story just plays out, even if there's nobody in the basement, eventually the kid that goes off to school that got him the job is going to come home. Right. And is going to reveal everything. So it's it's a short-term lease no matter what. But it's even, even shorter now. But it's even shorter yeah. now because of the discovery of this in the basement. Right. And now these people that they had just sort of shoved aside are now going to kind of come back with a vengeance. And not in a seeking revenge kind of way, just this complicates everything and, and, and turns it into something where it all falls apart. Well, I mean, I don't think their her intention was to get revenge. I think it was actually mm-hmm. to get the um, back to her husband and mm-hmm. see if he's okay. But how they react to her in that and that situation with him being in the basement kind of gives her no choice to defend them. But also it kind of is... I mean, they're becoming like the people in the house. Yes, because to this other family. To this other family who mm-hmm. they now see themselves superior to this couple who's surviving in the basement of this house. 
and don't really see that they're the same. Yeah. At, at all. Yeah. And you you almost get the sense that this this immediate lower class family eventually if this had lasted somehow for years I I think they would have started trying to figure out how to shove aside that rich family and take their place. Like, how do we now take their wealth? Not right. do we just how do we collect a paycheck? How do we now supplant ourselves and take what they have? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then this disrupts. And now here's another thing they should have learned. They should know. They've been in this position. They should know how it's felt. But instead of having empathy for this other family that's down on their luck, they go in the complete opposite direction. And here yet again comes the rock. And the rock that's supposed to be this supernatural sign of of what's being given is something that starts to represent something that's going to take. The yeah, boy they, is really huddled onto it. And you know what he's thinking? He's thinking murder. Yeah. And, and he, they, he sees them as another hurdle towards yep. what they are trying to accomplish. They or deserve get it. Towards. It's been granted to them. Yeah. They just need to take it. But also there's some really fine acting yeah. in him because you kind of see there's that but also it's just he's going to do the right thing for the family mm-hmm. like he's going to do what like he I don't know if he doesn't see his father being able to do or he's just going to take the burden of solving this issue mm-hmm. on himself so that nobody else in the family has to I mean he's not able to but well and from the beginning the daughter and son there's, there's this weird pervasive disrespect in the family. They don't respect their dad. They don't actually respect their mom. They want to take care of them, but they see them as failures. And so that plays through clear to the end where even after his dad has really started to step up and his dad is doing all these things and his mom's doing all these things, the kids are still running that family. And they're still feeling like we have to take control. We have to solve the problem. We have to take care of things. Yeah. Well, it also seems like the parents never stepped into that role. Mm-hmm. And that's probably like part to do with their situation. Um, so they probably have grown up with that mindset. At least well, they have 30 years on them where they just, this is our lot in life. Right. It would right. never even occur to them to do what the son does. Right. Uh, kind of taking over the the servant roles in this, this upper class family. That would never occur to them. Mm. That's the kids and their ambition and their drive and they're just bringing the parents along with them now the parents start to really get into it Mm -hmm. Uh, but the parents aren't there as long in that situation benefiting from that situation before it falls apart right so their mindset is we've just got to get out of dodge this you know it was good while it lasted but now it's getting really complicated but the kids keep pushing back and finding ways to Recomplicate it and and to try to stay and hold on to. Well, the mother, I mean, she sticks around the whole time. Yeah, but when the mother and father are are indulging in violence against this other family, it's almost defensive. Right. It's almost in a panic. It's not. It's not calculated. It's not premeditated. With the kids, it feels much more premeditated. I guess. I don't know. Because that, that whole section t- is so quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, like how it's paced is so quick. Like, I feel like they might have been able to get to that point. Maybe. I Because, I, I mean, <laughs> she kicks her down the stairs. Yeah. And that, I mean, is defensive, but she did that without batting an eyelash. Mm-hmm. So I think they were following, in, following in their kids' um, 
path. And they are quick to start covering it up. Yeah. It's not like they have a, a I feel moral like they, conflict at that point. I feel like they all at some point were in it together. And they they got on this road and they were going to see it out. Yeah. I don't know. But it was fun watching it a second time too with just seeing the um, the path of the father mm-hmm. and just his slow um, realization of the, being degraded and just a bit how he's talked about by the and it's just like when he's like, under the table yeah that and yeah. earlier because he's like there the smell and all yeah. that and um so just being able to know where it goes and to see those small moments mm-hmm. add up to where he ends up at the end by uh killing the um the father of the family um was just really satisfying to see his just him acting and um Doing now, those scenes. Putting on your Academy hat, what is it do you think about this movie that got the votes? I really don't what know. What brought it to Best Picture? I don't know because I, I think this is one of the oddest winners. Mm-hmm. And I to win four categories. Big categories. Big categories. I feel like, like, especially just because I've been watching his films for so many years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's really a good film. It's mm-hmm. really good. But I feel like all his films are really good. And it's just weird that this one, kind of, like, I can see it, but it's just funny that this one really stuck out to people. And I feel like it, it could have easily gone the other way where this was on a bunch of people's lists, mm-hmm. but was never even made it onto any award ceremonies. Now, you said you would have moved this up to two on your list, yeah. three? Okay, so the only thing above that would have been Midsommar yeah. for you. And then Jojo. Okay. And then Jojo. Yeah. And it was I think Jojo and that maybe could Jojo and and uh Parasite could get swapped. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just depending on how I'm feeling. But it, it dramatically jumped up the list for me. It's interesting because I've been watching the Oscars for so many years. Best picture has become this what's what's the grand it's it's always either grand spectacle or quiet introspective character piece. Mm-hmm. That is usually what wins Best Picture. You've got like Moonlight, quiet character, introspective, uh, introspective character piece, and then you've got these very big and, and epic films. That's why I really thought it was either going to swing 1917, mm-hmm. or I thought just for the pure nostalgia of it, I thought Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm-hmm. seemed like it really had a surge there. I had fear it was going to be the Joker. <sighs> It felt like that movie really lost momentum. I was surprised yeah. that Joaquin Phoenix still got Best Actor in it. Mm. Uh, it 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 felt like the conversation about that had died down, and I was happy about that because I just didn't want it to be a night about the Joker. Mm. There was something. So imagine these two nights. On the one, Joker sweeps all of these awards, and it's this very cynical, narcissistic film about uh, crazy people inheriting the earth and just ugliness. And awfulness unpunished. Can I interrupt for one second? Absolutely. Parasite is basically almost the same movie, Except. but from the other perspective in a yep. much more palatable, interesting way. Where yep. the uh, so, but it's also punished. Right, right. There's a consequence to it. Yeah, and Joker. the The end game is this is rewarded. Mm. Look at our 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 clown king, our clown prince. Yeah. Let's celebrate him. Let's celebrate these awful things. And the other one, it's about the natural flow of consequence in the world. If you do bad things, bad things are coming. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how long it's good for you. Uh, you know, take anybody in power if they're doing bad things. 
no matter how long it takes, it's it's going to eventually, you know, chickens come home to roost mm-hmm. or whatever that old adage is. And so, but but imagine a night where Joker takes all the awards. And what we're really saying there as, as um, artists in this country is that that's where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. That we're at a place of no hope and the the insane are running the asylum as opposed to Parasite. And, and even from a filmmaker perspective, uh, not just the movie Joker didn't resonate with me. I have not enjoyed Todd Phillips. No. I've not enjoyed his interviews. Mm-mm. I've not enjoyed his attitude. Mm-hmm. I've not enjoyed – I almost feel like a parent who wants to just be like, knock it off, kid. <laughs> You're not that important. Right, right. Calm down. Yeah. You know, stop being so full of yourself. Whereas Parasite, watching it come up there and watching the director win all those awards, here's just this humble guy. He is ecstatic about what he's made and mm-hmm. where he's made it to. And he understands kind of the cultural importance of this night for him and for South Korea and for all these. I and love that he kept film. pointing out. Yeah, for this foreign film. And I, I love that he kept pointing out like, and we've got the actors here. Yeah, yeah. See all the actors over here as if that was if something special, but to him it was something special. They probably had to go out of their way yeah. to get all those seats and to get everybody He'd come from South Korea. Exactly. Yeah. That was probably a very big deal where for everybody else in Hollywood it's just like, yeah, just put on a dress and yeah, I drove down the street. Yeah. And so so everything about it was this celebration of art. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons I really loved the Oscars this year. It felt like for a moment Art and something different was actually celebrated. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, I still feel the same way well, I yeah, do yeah. about. I wasn't trying to convert, but you. Uh, I know. But <laughs> also, I mean, I feel like the Joker, like they kept as like with Todd Phillips' interviews and them discussing it, like they were saying how this film is saying all these things about society and everything. But when I saw that film, I didn't get any of that. It just felt yeah. like a miserable experience yeah. of a person who is miserable seeking revenge and being celebrated for it. Where this film, I feel like, really did say a lot about society and lower class and upper class and climate change, like you inform me. And it's like, and I could totally see that in it. And like, I didn't see it while I was watching, but it was like, it clicks in once you say it, like, oh yes, for sure. So I feel like it's so much more successful Mm -hmm. in saying the things and, precise way that makes sense and you can gather it from from the film it's just in a more timely fashion it just feels much more a a look at the world now Mm -hmm. and where we are now and it asks important questions about now yeah and it doesn't answer those questions it just sort of puts you into the story where you're looking at the disparity between classes. Yeah, it's like and, a mirror. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I love movies that do that. And he has the the charm and the humor and the wit to be able to do that in a way that it's not oppressive mm-hmm. and heavy and self-important and indulgent. All but, those things are what the Joker was to yeah, me. Yeah, but it also was that dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a dark subject matter it's dealing with. There's tense scariness to it, but picked the spots are picked so precisely and well that it has impact rather than like the joker where it's two hours of misery and dark music and just skulking around in clown makeup and it just it's unbearable to watch and 
where this it it just has so much more presence and power in those moments and like scariness like when like that um the husband in the basement is like coming out it's like it's he's like using every ability in his acting arsenal to make that scary his face and his look and he's like knows what i don't know it's just so well accomplished and And at the end of the day in the real world there's nothing scarier than an unpredictable human being yeah if if you were in a situation and the guy across from you has ill intent for you and is unpredictable that's terrifying Mm -hmm. uh an animal you just you find a way to barricade yourself in somewhere the animal is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it's a, a thinking, feeling, opposing thumb, human being, uh, that with the sensibility the of an comes. animal, but yep. like, yeah, the rage of an animal, yeah. but the intellect of a human, right. that combination is, is very scary. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's something I noticed the second time through the movie. It was scarier the second time. The first time I came out of it feeling like, oh, that was much more of a comedy than I thought it was. Whereas the second time I was like, that is much more of a horror film than I thought it was the first time. Mm. It's still not a horror film. It's no. much more of a thriller. Yeah. Uh, and it's still a comedy thriller. But um, I think just even the th- calling it a comedy is a little strong. Right. It's It has its comedic mm-hmm. beats to it, but... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it a horror film, but it does just have an underlying intensity to mm-hmm. it that carries it. Mm-hmm. And it's just the pacing of it. Like there's such a fluid um, motion to it, mm-hmm. like a just like a brush stroke that like it just, I don't know how it unravels is so amazing to me. Especially that last half once they're um, at, like getting drunk in the house mm-hmm. and just and just how it goes to the end. It just, uh, it's, I think it's masterful i don't know and i just i wish i saw it the first time like the way i saw it this time because i think even when i watch it again it'll jump up again and um it'll be one where i'll I'll really want to watch it more like and that says a lot yeah yeah all right any other thoughts on parasite before we kind of wrap up oh um one thing that i really enjoyed the music this time (laughs) and uh the whole scene where um they're after they escape the house um, the father and the kids and they're going back to see their uh, to their home and it's flooded and just the musical choice that through there there's like it's got this really spooky little theremin the underneath of it all and it was just like ooh, I just really like that okay. and uh, yeah just just a little thing I liked <laughs> I, I liked on that how much the environment always reflected where that lower class family was yeah uh, in their their minds or their comfort or whatever else you know the environment once they kind of take over the house when the rich family's away on vacation the whole tone of the movie changes Mm -hmm. when everything's falling apart that's when the floods hit that's when their old place is completely destroyed that's when everything starts to come undone yeah it's kind of like they can't go back yep i loved how environment always matched action and i thought that was another very subtle kind of comment on how we affect our environment Mm -hmm. we affect you know however macro or micro you want to go our, our approach to life is going to affect your home. It's going to affect your world. It's going to affect all of these things. There's there's a, a cause and effect there, and mm-hmm. I appreciated that. Yeah. I also really, um, this time, the weight of the end really hit me, mm-hmm. where um, he comes out of the coma, 
and he goes back to the house and he's just kind of watching the house and notices the Morse code mm-hmm. and puts together that his father's in the basement and he's getting he's sending out this code every day of this letter and just the whole plan he sets in motion in his head. He's like, I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get married. I'm going to buy this house. I love that it shows a flash of that as if it's happened. And then it comes back and it's, no, that's, that's a, his his, ima- his imagination, imagining it happening. And, and I, the irony of that's what got you into this mess. You, your imagination as to how you were going to get rich quick and accomplish something landed you in the first situation and here your mind is going all over again yeah but this time it's like the legitimate way but it's maybe yeah but he said like i don't know if it was go back to school and get rich so it's like the same intentions and thinking that it's going to be this easy thing that i can accomplish but not knowing how hard it actually will be. Yeah. And like, I like that it actually is just a fantasy of him mm-hmm. imagining in the and But just that whole thought of him, like it, it, you can just come out of the basement and we'll be there. You, all you have to do is come out. Yeah. And I, I just felt that so like profoundly like sad and mm-hmm. moving and just that last image of them, him coming out and giving them hugs. And yeah. I, I just, I don't know, it was really great. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it. So, yeah. Honey Boy, I mean, not sad we watched it, but if that that was a distracting endeavor. Uh, Them That Follow was was a surprising little gem. And then Parasite, watch it, watch it again, yeah. watch yeah. it a third time. It's a lesson I like. I have to kind of relearn of mm-hmm. like going back and rewatching something. And, and it's easier when it's something you really, really wanted to enjoy. Mm-hmm. It, but something like, I don't know if I'd get much more out of Honey Boy, but... So going back and rewatching things is valuable. It really is. It changes yeah. the experience and it changes the way that, that you process what you've just seen. Mm-hmm. And when you think about a filmmaker or actors or everybody involved in a film, they've spent so much time with this. Mm-hmm. If they've done it well, it's going to have a lot of layers. And so just to approach thing one time and spend two hours with it and walk away and say, ah, that was amazing or that was terrible and just yeah. stop there – misses misses kind of the value of what film can be yeah whereas revisiting it you you enter into kind of the same relationship with the film that the filmmakers did in a way where you're spending time with it and you're unpacking it and you're really kind of dissecting what everything is and what it means and and how things play together mm-hmm. and uh, it can it can just really change the experience mm-hmm. i love that i just i love it so much it's like a good album when you right. go back and, and you listen to uh, something a second time and a third time and a fourth time. Yeah, it grows on you and you get familiar with it, but you start to notice so oh, much Oh, for sure. More. That's my favorite albums when that happens. Yeah. Like it yeah. may be the first time I didn't really get it, but give it a couple more and you'll pick it, the yeah. pieces out you really enjoy. And you start and, to get the texture and, and yeah. what they're playing with and what they're doing new and yeah. what's innovative. Yeah, I that's. That. I mean, that's what I always hope when I make something like paint a picture or something that I spend months on. You hope that somebody might give it a second viewing and pick out what I was intending. But yeah, it's fun to do that with other people's stuff. Well, this has been Cinebabble episode 15. Next week, we are going to have a very special episode where we tackle the entire decade. We're not going to watch any new movies. We're just going to tackle the decade year by year and talk about all the great films from 2010 to 2019 and uh, we'll see how similar or different our lists are. I suspect, as I was putting mine together, they're going to be very, very, very different. <laughs> Do you uh, buy into the argument that the decade's not really over till 
2021? No, I'm one with like the zero year starts the decade. Okay. You know, so this I wasn't decade sure if I was getting us to 2020 jump the gun to 2029. No, I 2010 to 2019 because I I think of it as 2000 was definitely the start of a millennium. Mm. That was definitely the start of a millennium, a decade, a century. And but so, some people argue that all, that it really was until I know, I know. <laughs> but those people don't appreciate science. So. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Join us for the decade that was 2010 to 2019. I am Ken and this is Clint. And uh, we're just going to go uh, maybe check out the trailer trailer and put up a. Uh, yeah, you want to help me put some opinions. curtains up? I do. I do. Curtains. Yeah. That's a great idea. Let's go do that. Okay.